of course, AI is a computer, right? But it doesn't mean that you can't humanize it. And there are so many companies out there right now that are are just like shoving AI in places that maybe it doesn't fit or they are using it in ways that are great, but they're not using it to its best potential. And so they're getting crappy computer generated, very transparently not human content out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's the, the, the process to make it not that that is so easy. And so that is what we're going to talk about today. How do we turn our AI generated content into something for humans by humans with the help of AI? I can't wait. Let's get into it. You're listening to the Endless Customers Podcast, where we help you earn trust and win customers in the age of AI. Welcome back to Endless Customers. I'm Alex Winter, and today I'm joined by Mandy York, who's a written and video content trainer here at Impact. Mandy, what up? Hey, Alex, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? Welcome back to the show. Doing well and excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you, because today we're talking about something that's a hot topic that I think everyone's talking about these days. We're talking about AI but more specifically, how to use AI in a way that's human or how to humanize AI. So that doesn't feel like you're talking to a computer or basically Skynet. I always make the Skynet reference because I'm a big Terminator fan, but you know what I'm saying. So let's, let's dive right into it. And I think the top, the top level piece, just to set the stage, how do you humanize AI? What does that mean? Like, before we get into the weeds of the application, what does that even mean? (laughs) All right. Fair, fair. So When generative AI really kicked off in 2023, Mm -hmm. what we actually saw was a lot of people would plug something into chat GPT. They would get an article or a social media post or something written, and then they would just copy and paste that and slap it up on their website. And so you actually saw where you went from, you know, a hundred pieces of content today. That's not right. But say you went from a hundred pieces of content today to a thousand pieces of content today because people were able, the barrier to entry was really low. You didn't have to work anymore. You could just copy and paste. Right. And so what ended up happening was our uh, our content writers and, and folks like that were going, oh my gosh, how are we supposed to keep up? And then here at Impact for our clients that were doing the Ask You Answer, we were going, just wait. They're, you know, that's gonna, that's gonna bite them in the butt. Low quality content is not going to provide the way that you can and with your human voice. And so we we were like, just chill. And (laughs) the good part of that was that our folks would continue writing, but then they started to find ways to use AI that wasn't just copy and paste. It was, how are we going to use this to make our life easier? How are we going to use this to make us more efficient, but not necessarily use it to just strip all creativity and throw that to the wind and start producing mass producing content. So the humanization element really does come down to, are you using it to replace your entire job or are you using it to help you do your job better? I love that. No, I really love that because I think it, at the beginning, when I was first integrating with AI and learning about AI, I thought it was just going to replace. Like, it was like, this is going to become my new writer. This is going to do everything for me, right? And it was more about, like, a quantity piece. It was it was more of, like, how many articles can I push out? I was doing X. I want to do Y. Let's just go full send. But that's not always the right answer. And I think people are also very smart, and we don't give people enough credit that when you read an article that's written by GPT or whatever piece of AI you're using versus a human, 
there are differences. There are a lot. There there are nuances that you can pick up on. How can businesses use AI to keep that human piece and keep those elements that are really important for us to have in our content and apply that in their day to day? Yeah. The way that I always start this exercise with clients is I say, what is, and let's get real honest, right? Because mm -hmm. we're doing the ask you answer, but what is the part of your job that you hate? Like if you can define that part of your job, whether that be a task that takes you five minutes a day or, or two hours a day, what is the part of your job that you hate? And so the most common answer actually to that question is I hate the organization piece of my job. I hate keeping up with my content calendar. I hate writing outlines for my blogs. The tedious I hate stuff. Remembering, yeah. Yes. Like all of the little nuts and bolts, mm -hmm. bits that hold it together. Generally, your content writer loves to write. That's why they went into it. You know, they don't mind the writing piece of it. Yeah. It's the managing piece of it that that they don't really want to do. And so then once you've kind of figured out what is this time suck? What is this thing that I don't enjoy doing that is taking a ton of my time that is a brain drain? And then you figure out how to use AI to replace that. Figure out how to do the parts of your job that you don't want to do. That way you can have more time to do the parts that you love. That That's fascinating to me. I've, I've always had in the past, you talk about the things that you love about your job, but not the things that you hate. Which it's so they ask you answer, in my opinion, because if you're going to address the elephant in the room, you got to call you got to call it out. So if you're really not liking pieces or facets of your job, how can you then identify those and use AI to help you do those things so that you can just focus on what you love doing? That's that's really cool. I've never heard it put that way. So yeah. for managers, for business people out there, how can they have these conversations with their teams and starting to get them excited about AI? Because I think there's also like a fear that AI is going to take my job Instead of instead of looking at it like how you're talking about it, where it's like, hey, this can enhance what you do and it can remove some of those impediments or tedious things that you really don't like doing. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, one, you're going to have to be a manager that already has some level of, of trust and transparency with your employees, which hopefully you do. If you yeah. work with us, then you do. But, you know, I'm not going to pretend that that's true of every single business that ever existed. So that's step one. Make sure that you have that kind of open and honest communication with your team where they would be willing to tell you, oh my goodness, you know, doing this report is draining so much time every week. And then you come back and you say, awesome. I'm so glad that we identified that roadblock for you. Here's how we're going to tackle it. And then helping them find a way to get past it rather than you would never want to admonish them and say, oh, you're supposed to love every single moment of every single day of every single bit of your job. Like, that's just not really, we're all adults here. It's not realistic. Not realistic. You don't. Mm -mm. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody has things they don't want to do. And then you kind of feed that into how, how do we use the AI to cover for that rather than trying to make your current workflows fit what you think AI is supposed to do. Got it. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. So once you get the buy-in, once you get people starting to see that this can help them, how do you go about selecting the right tools? If it's GPT or there's, there's tons of tools out there, there's tons of plugins out there, but like, what would you recommend for writers specifically or writers and videographers? And then how do they use these tools? Like, what are the right queries? Like, are there like pros or like do's and don'ts? Like what are the best practices for like starting to leverage these tools once you're bought in? 
Yeah. Yeah. So I would say stop thinking about it quite so black and white. Okay. So everybody that comes to me, they, they go, Oh, okay. Chat GPT is for writing. Descript is for video. Um, I can use uh reclaim AI for my calendar, mm-hmm. you know, blah, blah, blah. I was so just doing, I was take- just doing that too. So you, <laughs> we might as well call me out and say, cause I, I think of that too. I think of GPT as like, that's for writers, but that's not mm-hmm. always true. And you've done some really cool stuff in GPT that has nothing to do with writing. So yeah. So yeah. let's talk about that a little bit more. So how do, how do you break those molds and then pick the right platforms and start leveraging them? All right. Fair. So find step one, find your pain point and then figure out what would it actually look like to get, get rid of that. So okay. there's a, a couple of different examples I can go into. One of, I like chat GPT. I love it because it's very um, malleable. You can really make chat GPT do just about anything that you want it to do. If you know what you need. So one of the examples I'll bring up, I helped impact create a content review bot. It's not that I hate that part of my job. It's just that it's very, very time consuming and then frustrating for our clients because they got to wait for me to get back to them to review their content. Gotcha. So I said, all right, I don't think I can fully replace me, but I can find some sort of measure that's going to make this a little bit better. So I just went into custom GPTs and chat GPT and I started giving it information. I said, here, this is what I, I need to do. Tell me what you need in order for us to be able to do this together. And the chat GPT really wrote itself. Like it, it went through and it said, I wish I knew blah and this and that. And so I just started giving it the things that it needed. And then ultimately it was able to do 75% of that job for me, which helped me cut down on my time that I spent there. Flip side of that, I'll give you a video example. Um, oh, wait, hold on. So before I, we do the video example, just I have to, I have to interject. So it sounds like reviewing content, like it, it does. It takes time. It's, it's almost like when you're a professor and you're grading papers, like you have to go through line by line, right? So, how much time did this save you and other coaches on the team when it comes to reviewing and giving feedback to our clients? Yeah. Um, so earlier this year, we were at a point where I had a whole bunch of clients come on at the same time. And when they first come on, they send us three articles a week to review. And I did a time analysis on it and it was a, it was a cut down of about 20 hours a week that I personally saved. Plus there's, you know, more people that have the same job title that I do here at impact. And so we're looking at more than a full salary that, that we were able to cover. 20 hours a week per person that's doing this. That's huge. So for business business leaders and, and executives out there, I hope you're listening. That's a great way to maximize time and use people's time more wisely. All right, now let's go back because you were starting to talk about video content as well. So we talked about GPT and the written piece. How about for video content? So one of the things in here, I'm just going to like tell you my sins. I hate <laughs> planning a video. Okay. I shoot a lot of them. I If you give me the leeway to do it, I will just show up with my camera and just let whatever happens happen. And then I'll figure it out and post, which as a videographer, you know, is not, not a good call, but my brain just does not love the planning piece on video. And so what I started doing was taking the scripts that I had for videos, or they were articles that somebody had written, or they were just like a piece of information. It was another video that I wanted to do something along the same lines as. And then I would just plug that into chat GPT. And I would say, hey, create a storyboard for this. And it'll do it. It'll give you a terrible storyboard. Side note, it's the, <laughs> the images that it gives you are going to be awful. 
but it's going to give you that structure that, that my brain personally hates doing. And so it gives you kind of a launch point of, oh, okay, here's this thing I need to do. It's already done the heavy lift and the organization part for me. All I have to do now is plug in my pretty pictures or drawings of whatever shot that I'm trying to get for that section. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I struggle with certain pieces in the production process too, because I, I'm a video guy at my core and I love video. And there's certain pieces that when you're staring at a blank page, if you're script writing or when you're trying to storyboard or certain pieces that you're, you're trying to plan out, it can be really daunting and overwhelming. So if you can at least use these tools to give you that nudge to get you at least going on that journey to start the wheels spinning and get the creative juices flowing, that's, that's amazing. And if it can get you 80% of the way there, that's a great starting or jumping off point. And then you can really take the ball and run with it, as they say. That brings me into my next question. Once you start to accept that you need to use these tools and that it's going to help you do your job better, it's going to help you maximize your time, take away some of these tedious things that you may not necessarily want to be doing. How do you develop a process around it? So you start to build those habits and that discipline of like regularly doing this. And it's not just like intermittently here and there when you remember to do it. Yeah, that's a good question. So I would take it. And again, you found the places that you want to use it and where it can benefit you. And you've kind of figured out what you're going to do with it, whether that be you're using it to write content and, and you've got maybe you're making an outline, maybe you're using it to write pieces of the actual content, you're using it to write your introduction or your conclusion or figure out what your headers are going to be or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Plug that into your process, say, okay, I'm going to interview somebody about this article. I'm going to plug the interview into chat GPT. I'm going to get my outline. I'm going to write a little bit. I'm going to take what I've written and I'm going to give it back to the GPT and ask it, you know, to help me find places that I can, can be better. And then I'm going to review it one last time and it's going to be done. So you can plug that in, in multiple stages too. I don't want people to think that it's an all or nothing approach. You can, mm -hmm. you can go back and forth with it and add it in, in multiple stages. And if you're looking at the writing process specifically, I would say, just, just put that on your, your literal calendar, say, Hey, I'm messing with chat GPT during this time on Wednesday. And I'm always going to be doing that on Wednesday and, and jazzing up my articles for the week. And here it is. That makes sense. No, I love that. So then for the human piece of this, right, once you, you, are disciplined, you're using it in your process, you're working the plan, like you're saying, you're picking and choosing what's going to be best. How do you then humanize it too? So you get an article out of GBT, you shouldn't just copy and paste and post and that's it, it's done, right? So like, where, where does that come into play? And like, how do you use your judgment to like, interject your personality, your brand personality, and give it that that edge that makes it really your your unique voice? Yeah. Loaded question. Lots of answers to give there. Yeah. Um, so I'll start with like the most technical and then go to the least technical. Sounds good. Is that fair? Yeah. Sounds good. All right. So most technical, you can upload brand style guides. Um, you could give chat GPT a list of past articles that you hand wrote, um, all of those things, and then ask it to match your tone and it will do a lot to humanize itself. There's even a, a plugin for chat GPT-4 called Humanize AI that, that makes a difference in the output that you get. So that's kind of stage one. I would say you teach the GPT to talk like you as much as you can. The second section of that is knowing that it's never going to be perfect. And so it's up to you to go through and read it and add your own spin. So if 
you asked it to come up with the introduction to the piece that you had written, for example, add a sentence or two from just you. Uh, go through and reword some things. Is it using a word you would never, ever use yourself? Is there an, a personal example that you can add that helps explain a topic? Is there another place on your website that you want to link to explain something in line and you can add that inline link? You know, there's a lot of different ways that you can get that content to be more like you would be. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. And I think the more you feed it, I've seen this happen too. The more you feed it, the more it starts to understand how you talk, your sense of humor. It, it's really, it's it's almost kind of scary how good it is at, at picking up and identifying those things. It really is. So uh, my last question for you, right, for companies that are leveraging AI, for business people out there, where's where do you draw the line in the sand for like too much AI? Like how do you how do you pick and choose and be selective with like this is this is great to use it for these certain things and maybe over here it's not great and we still need to have it be written by humans or done videoed by humans or what like where do you I guess differentiate where you go with using too much AI versus balance finding that balance? Yeah. Uh, I would definitely recommend, as we do with all of our AI training clients, you start with some sort of AI policy in your company. Um, so, for example, the one that we have here at Impact has a hardline stance on customer data. Mm -hmm. So I would never, ever, ever plug something from our HubSpot or a contact record from our HubSpot or or private information that I know about a client from working with them, I would never put that in chat GPT. One, because we're, we still haven't gotten a real great answer um, from, from AI powers that be on how they're using that data to train their models. And then two, it's just, it, I just don't trust it just yet to work as well as a human mind is going to. Mm -hmm. So I'm never going to give it just confidential data. I'm also never going to try and say that something that is purely AI is human generated. So if somebody were to come to me and ask, hey, Mandy, those articles that are on Impact's website that have your name on them, I'm going to tell them, yeah, no, I totally used AI to help me figure out some of the sections I wanted to do. And I went back and forth with it a few times on different uh, like specific sentences and how I wanted to word them. I would never try to pretend that that was is solely out of my head. Yeah. So I think those are two good places to start. That's a that's a really interesting point that you just made because I was going to ask that too where like do you do you admit that you use AI or do you not? And I think your answer said it all that like you really should be open and honest if we're thinking about they ask you answer you always want to be upfront about what you're doing. But I would imagine there are businesses out there that don't do that and that are like look at how smart we are and look at all the cool things we're doing. And really it's not them and they're just leveraging this tool. So what would you recommend for people? It sounds like be honest is the way to go and just say like, Hey, yeah, of course we use AI, but for businesses, how, how can they say that in a way that's like, we use it to help us do what we do better and not a scary place of like, Oh, AI is just doing everything for us now. And we're totally automated. Yeah. yeah. I think if you had to sum it up into a single sentence that I've seen work really, really well, I would say something to the effect of, our company utilizes AI to improve efficiency and clarity across the board. We are also utilizing AI in an ethical and sensible way, period. 
and then just make the disclaimer. Everyone's using it. It's not like it's a, a dirty word, right. um, but, but adding that bit in there and standing behind the bit in there that you are using it ethically, you're using it to support people internally and that you're not using it in some sort of like shady or weird money grabby way is, is the best way to go. That makes total sense. Great advice. You, you, I love talking with you. You always have great advice. I feel like I learned so much and I like, can't wait to get back to my station so I can start experimenting and playing around with the stuff myself. Um, but before we go for our listeners, for our viewers out there, how can they get in touch with you if they have questions they want follow up with you about all things AI? Yeah, absolutely. I am active on LinkedIn. So feel free to follow me there or send me a connection request or send me a DM. I usually check that on a daily basis. All right. And that's our show. So thank you for tuning into the Endless Customers podcast. We really appreciate you listening and we will see you on the next episode. And hey, don't forget that we have episodes every Monday and Wednesday releasing on all major platforms. So be sure to go subscribe. That way you won't miss out on how you can earn trust and win customers in the age of AI.